We don't need to do it this time, but we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna do it nonetheless because it's part of the thing now. And that was probably the most in time that we had in the history of doing yeah, this. Yeah, we're in the same room, so. Well, I know. I'm just time. saying, it's like, and we don't need it this time, so yeah. it's it's the pressures off uh, influence. Mm -hmm. In any case, welcome to Spar Talk News Talk your plucky working class source for the news you need and the takes you trust. As per usual, I'm your host, Spartalk Jacques, casting from the most charming little neighborhood tucked in between a hornet's nest of highways, southwest Detroit, Mexican town. Returning to the arena, we have a lean, mean, left all of its toxins in the latrine machine, Hakeem Walker. Hakeem, you are done with your detox, aren't you? This first day uh, having a libation. Yes. Um, so we have some pretty good uh, options for that. We have pretty good libations. Do we want to go into that now? I think so. Okay. You, you want to set it up? Yes. Yeah, so welcome to Spartalk, and we, we will be doing a very good cocktail for Cinco de Mayo. That's the, the get it. Yeah, yeah, and the background. And the background's here. Boom, guys, so tomorrow is Cinco de Mayo. So Cinco de Mayo celebrates the Battle of Puebla, which is the battle where the Mexicans defeated Napoleon III's army and the Franco-Mexican War. So two years later, um, there was a song called La Paloma that was released in Spain that people believe that inspired this cocktail. This cocktail is the number one uh, cocktail in Mexico and is actually the national cocktail of Mexico, the Coloma cocktail, okay? So we're gonna be making that today in celebration. And we're gonna be using uh, this good local source tequila. It's gonna be an ounce and a half of tequila. And this is a variation of the cocktail, so we'll be, uh, I, uh, so we're going to use this uh, grapefruit syrup and give it a little effervescence. Use an ounce of that. And we still are going to use um, fresh lime juice. Half ounce of that. There you go. 
Paul McCartney. Enjoy, guys. Well, they are fantastic. So, cheers. Cheers, Paloma. Paloma. Yeah, salute. And may I say, welcome back to the fold. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and thank you for the cocktails, delicious. Um, last week, uh, we just put out some cocktail videos. The week before that, we talked to anti-masker and pandemic advocate conspiracy theorist Mobius. This week is uh, May the 4th, tomorrow is Cinco de Mayo, as you said, and today we're filming things a little bit uh, differently. First off, Hakeem, what inspired you uh, for the new setup? Well, I wanted to do a little, little more streamlined uh, for lighting, a little more streamlined for audio. Also, you know, we have some other YouTube properties we're trying to push forward. So um, it's like a re it's like a YouTube reaction video a little bit. You know, I'm mm -hmm. I'm I'm liking it. Yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to see how it turns out. Anyways. Yeah, I mean, this is all rigging. This is all kind of hopefully this gets a little more professional, more streamlined. So yeah, mm -hmm. hopefully get be able to push out more content. That's the idea. Yes, and it's partially because today is a clip show, which we been doing the first of the month. Uh, we don't do uh, this. We usually do interviews, um, so we'll talk about that later on. Um, second, though, um, do you have any uh, any thoughts on our conversation with Mobius? Oh, that was a very, uh, very interesting conversation. It was. Okay, so this was your birthday present. Obviously, I said that before. And, <laughs> and I was a little let down, I gotta say. Uh, well, because, I don't know, like, I consider myself borderline um, leftist conspiracy theorist, I think. Um, but, and, but I'm actually able to assert things. I actually have facts. And it was very hard to get Mobius to assert anything, to right. get him to actually say what anybody, like, why anything is happening that he's claiming, which... Well, yeah. <laughs> um, maybe he'll be able to came, come back on and give a better, more, you know, accurate assessment of his yeah, opinions. Yeah, we'll see. I, like um, I said, I was pretty but, let down. Um, it was very, like, you know how you get annoyed? Because he was saying he was Mobius, the, the weird hippie guy. You know how that, uh, you get annoyed by some hippie bullshit and from a hippie that's like just kind of like saying some vague stuff about what's wrong with society. Yeah, I'm, I'm from California. I know yeah, hippie bullshit. that's what I got from him. I was just like, it was just like, okay, so, but what are you saying? Like, what are you, what are you actually claiming? And it was like, I had to, you know, preempt anything that he, you know, whatever. Maybe he'll have a better account for himself during a panel show. We'll or, see. Yeah, we'll see. So, um, the one thing I will agree with Mobius on is that uh, Bill Gates is a piece of shit. And, uh, but for exactly the opposite reason, I think he thinks that we're, like, as hard as it was to get him to admit that he thinks that Bill Gates is microchipping us or, like, 
trying like he has no idea exactly why he's trying to get uh, vaccines into as many people as possible. Right. Well, the opposite is true. The opposite yeah. is true. <laughs> the thing is, he couldn't explain like his logic for why. Right. Was yeah. Right. It's like it's like he wants he wants money, and so he lies to you, and then also. And then also he wants to get it into as many arms as possible. Yeah, so but what's the motivation? That's what I'm saying. It's like, why would he... So this is him being confronted about why he's holding back vaccines and confronted very likely, lightly, by the way. K. Washington, D.C. Um, is super softball with him, but it's the hardest ball anybody's gotten, you know, in terms of him. So let's take a look at this and see exactly what he thinks about why he's holding back uh, third world countries. Uh, he's holding back uh, vaccines from third world countries on the basis of intellectual property. There's been some speculation that the changing intellectual property rules. Or no, I guess uh, this is Sky News and it's picked up from. As you say, the, the, the recipe for vaccines to be shared would be helpful. And do you think that would be helpful? No. Why not? Well, there's only so many vaccine factories in the world. And people are very serious about the safety oh, of vaccines. And so moving you something that had never been done, moving a vaccine from, say, a. Uh, J&J factory into a factory in India, that it's novel. It's only because of our grants and our expertise that can happen at all. The, the thing that's holding things back in this case is not intellectual property. There's not like some idle vaccine factory with regulatory approval that makes magically safe <laughs> uh, And the regulator, regulatory approval is exactly has to be looked we'll at talk about in, a, in a very uh, careful way. There's all sorts of issues around intellectual property having to do with medicines, but not in terms of how quickly we've been able to ramp up the volume here. You know, I remember how shocked people were when we said we were going to do second sources in these developing country factories. Uh, you know, that that was a novel thing. We got all the rights from the vaccine companies. They didn't hold it back. They were participating. I do a regular phone call with the pharmaceutical CEOs to make sure that work is going at full speed. So just so we're clear here, uh, we paid for these vaccines. We did pay for these vaccines. We completely paid for these vaccines. Yeah. Him using our regulatory infrastructure to uh, against against third world countries in terms of the production so flagrantly here is exactly right. exactly what he did with Microsoft and and the monopoly that it went on there and and, and honestly yeah, through Asia and Europe and honestly it's like it, the, his excuses here I mean it, what it seems like is is your is the IT guy in your office telling you why you can't install a thing yourself when it's pretty easy to install a thing yourself but because he has the ear of the administration the management you know he's uh he, like he can he can implement things the way he wants to implement them but let's uh Let's pivot to a more fun story, I guess. Um, unless you have something else to say on that no. matter. Um, so the the Bidens have uh, have visited the Carters recently, and uh, a funny thing happened. And it kind of uh, demonstrates how. Uh, 
uh, how not planned out, uh, you know, some of Biden's, uh, you know, public facing is. And, uh, you know, like he's supposed to be an ultra ultra curated candidate or whatever. And I, I would, you know, uh, assert each. That's what I'm saying. But what everybody's saying that he himself is a pawn in this ultra curated, like sort of like, but you know, like honestly, a lot of the people are working for him are kind of bungling and he's a lot more able than I would expect from a man his age, generally speaking, every time, you know, he has a chance to be in front of it. But I just thought this clip was funny because and and not that this is necessarily important anyways but it's it's going viral for a you know for a very particular reason let's take a look we want to switch gears now to a brand new look at a very exclusive meeting when president biden came to georgia last week he paid a closed-door visit to a longtime friend former president jimmy carter the carter center tweeting out these photos of the two presidents and the first ladies look how adorable they are look how spots there. disproportionate they are yeah. Yeah. rosalind carter big smiles all around there it's Rose like biden like six eight or Dude, something they're yeah. habits years it's like they it's like I mean how do you not smile? It's like Gandalf visiting how do you not smile at Gandalf visiting the Hobbits? Oh yeah. So that's all it is. It's very funny how big they are compared to the Carters. And it's like they're both Shaq, man. Like what is going on? Like, you know? No, it makes no kind of sense. Especially I mean, like, I could I could seriously imagine um uh Rosalind Carter being that small compared to Joe Biden, just because but she's like an old that, woman. Like, like the proportion, like I know it's like, still weird. But he would have to be like seven three, or or maybe yeah. she. But I'm saying like maybe like maybe person. he has the shortest lap in the world, and she has the longest lap in the world, and that's I what's mean, that's that. what's connecting that everything. Yeah. But like look at I mean, Jill. You, you shrink when you get look, older, but uh, yes. Yeah, like, that, but look that, at yeah. Jill versus look. Just look at Jill versus. Is uh, Jimmy? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's a man. Joe Biden is six seven though, so it's fine. What Joe Biden is six seven? I wish that were true. Um, yeah, everyone knows that. Common knowledge. This is was a funny clip. I almost went with another clip, just being that was just like paint by numbers. Like, oh yeah, this is what what ha- you know when the, they visited them. They couldn't come to the inauguration, so they visited them and their old time allies, whatever. But yeah. I liked this one particularly because she was so happy with the photo and just in the the size differences flew by her like nothing. Apparently what happened here actually is that they were using a um, a, a certain photo you might know filter. Your, yeah photo photo filter you yeah. might like uh, not a fisheye lens or whatever but essentially right like they're using like an anamorphic anamorphic when it's like wider yeah. on the outside yeah. so uh, it's like a, it's a pan and tilt lens yes but uh, it's like why would you do I mean why would you do that <laughs> like and not and not like and then just put out this as the photo if you if you were why, super slick. And anyone who knows this type of uh, 
photography is not the type of lens you would use for this type of photo anyway, which is, it would be weird. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. It, you know what it reminds me of? It's like, it's like, this is what I'm saying. Biden is supposed to have like such a more slick team than Trump, but like, it's exactly like when Trump came out to announce something about the, it was around the time of the, uh, $2,000 checks, whatever. And he came out in a, with a super tiny desk. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. And <laughs> a super tiny desk. Yeah. And that was worse because it was actually a tiny desk. Yeah. But, like, this is still pretty bad because this was the official photo that they put out. And yeah, yeah. it's just very funny. I mean, like, presidents be fucking up all the time. I mean, like, and that's... And it, and it fills one with... A little bit of confidence that they're not, and maybe that's curious. Maybe text. maybe the conspiracy, it, maybe the deep state is making the fuck ups work out so that we throw well, us off the scent. I think you know? my tax hours should go to better PR, at least. Well, you know, or, or at least lens quality. Uh, yeah. Better lens quality, definitely, definitely. Um, Neither. But you know what? Uh, you know who's trying to decrease your taxes and, and make them go towards uh, more sensible things? Who's that? Caitlyn Jenner. Oh, great. Yeah. Is and that my home state? Is that what that is that is your home state. Uh, you... you, you uh, you can't vote there anymore, can you? Yeah, I'm, I'm out the game, baby. Well, yeah. out the game, out the game. It maybe you know, maybe you'll you know you'll you'll sneak in because there's you know there's no there's no basis for voting, and that's another thing that Caitlyn Jenner's going to fix, I think. Um, let's let's take a look at her uh, campaign ad. In San Francisco, it's just like, yo, we're just collecting money. Because there's a needle exchange. There's a needle exchange. She's against the needle exchange, which is probably actually a very good policy in San Francisco. Probably saved a lot of lives, actually. I came here with a dream 48 years ago to be the greatest athlete in the world. Now I enter a different kind of race, arguably my most important one yet to save California. I want to carry the torch for the parents who had to balance work and their child's education, for business owners who were forced to shut down, for pensioners who lost their home in the fire, for an entire generation of students who lost a year of education. Who lost a year of education, and there's no reason for that at all. Challenge and to change. 
change the status quo. I want to prove that it is absolutely possible if we only do it together. California, it's time to reopen our schools, reopen our businesses, reopen the Golden Gates. So I don't care if you're a Republican, Democrat, I'm running to be governor for all Californians. To reclaim our true identity, to bring back the gold to the Golden State. Now is the time to achieve that summit, to be the shining city on the hill. He's isolated very long. ones of like the teachers wiping down desks it's just like let's just gloss over the reason any of this happened not, not saying that i am not saying that uh that there aren't reasons that you know you know, for instance, tent cities, there's all sorts of things that could be fixed about California. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner, in my opinion, is not going to do it. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner is not the answer to fix California. First of all, she has a very conservative yeah, views. Yeah, exactly. Like, what? That, like, don't align with most Texas, Californias. Well, that. Texas just made it so, you know, and they used California as an example con consistently. They just, like, made it illegal for t for people to set up tents if they don't have housing. Yeah. And I'm sorry, it's just like if you don't <laughs> why don't you just why don't why don't any cities just set up housing? Just set up housing like until you get on your feet or whatever, you can live here. And it's not like it doesn't Caitlyn Jenner is not going to do that. Caitlyn yeah. Jenner is the is the reality show politician just like Trump was absolutely but worse do do we have to remind us that she killed someone yeah remember that? that's the, the thing that and, she, it's, and then it was she committed vehicular manslaughter that's and she had a reality show yeah. right after yeah that. and got away with it right. do I need to remind people of that yeah dude it's like it's like public like a public relations campaign can gloss over everything yeah. everything it was the exactly I think what was so horrible about 2016 is that the Clinton machine was glossing over a bunch of shit yeah. the Trump machine was dropping glossing over a bunch of shit so everybody was just like I don't fucking care most people didn't vote and you know like reality show won out because most like enough people watched The Apprentice or whatever well celebrity when people are confused always wins right so Being what famous what, trumps everything right. when when you know information is vague so, so what do you think like get, you know Gavin Newsom Gavin Newsom so I don't even like I don't Gavin. like Gavin Newsom I don't like Gavin Newsom but I'm saying Gavin Newsom not being on on the Kardashians he should get on the Kardashians <laughs> he's, he's not invited I, because I mean, she's yeah. got to be an executive producer at some well point. can you get on Love and Hip Hop or something like that well, that's the thing. Do you think she? Do you think the Caitlyn? Well, I'm gonna try. Do you think Caitlyn is gonna win? I think he should get a love and hip hop first of all. But okay. I, uh, I think is a very dangerous president <laughs> altogether. But uh, do you think that that she's gonna win? I think she can win. That's how little faith I have right. in, pol in politics right now. I think she has. Ar Arnold won. Yeah, Ronald Reagan and Arnold won. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fuck it. Uh, 
you know, actors. Yeah. First, you know. And for Republican governors in that state, they were, they were, they've had worse. They've definitely had worse. Yeah. But um, let's, let's take a look at what, let's take a look at uh, something that Caitlin has on the issues. Um, because there's a lot of there's a lot of laws being passed right now about trans kids, which I'm sure you know trans kids are just thrilled about. And I'm sure that like this isn't going to harm anybody in in general. Um, we we will have somebody on about it in ja- like soon. But uh, let's take a look at what she says about um, trans girls competing in female sports. I mean, she would be an expert in this, particularly if 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 her trans experience. Had her sports experience weren't separated by whatever, like 30 years, but well, 40, yeah. 40 years, more right? Than more than that. Yeah. Almost. Almost more than 40 years. Yeah. Because it was the 70s, right? Yeah. So let's take a look. Hi, Caitlin. So there's legislation in various states to ban biological boys or trans from playing girls' sports in school. What's your opinion on that? Super quick one. I, I, I try to make these as quick as possible. Um, I, well, I mean, yeah. you know, like in general, I do think that there is there there are fairness standards that that don't make sense in terms and, and and when it comes to I was I can't remember the MMA fighter that was uh, Fallon Fox. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I thought that the, like her, her not being honest is a problem, but there are also I do think that there are trans trans girls that don't do not that want to pursue sports and do not belong in boys sports. They do not belong in boys sports. So the only way that they'd actually pr- progress is through girls sports currently. Now, well, okay, so you're saying that Biolog- uh, well, biological boys that are that are trans or whatever that are young age and and we we can talk about that all day but they do but they but if they want to compete they might have to compete and by the way there are global laws and rules that have kept biological or you know uh, uh, female at birth women out of female sports because their testosterone levels exactly are too, too high. and it happened and that is exactly and that is fucked up but also that's what I'm saying there are girls that uh, there are girls you know um, female at birth that 
would probably be better suited in male sports. So I think it really like, I think that ultimately it should be like a heavyweight, lightweight sort of thing where there isn't just a girl's sports and a, and a, and a male sports, but that genders can play together. They just have to, they have to think about fairness as they go. And I, I agree that there are circumstances that are unfair, but just excluding trans and making one rule for trans trans people and another rule for cis people is very Jim Crowy. I mean, like very, very like fucked up and like unfair for, especially for unfair for kids. And we can talk about what's unfair and fair for trans kids uh, outside of that, but I I think that gendered sports is is fucked up in different ways as well. Personally, uh, I wouldn't say it's Jim Crowley, but I would say that like there is something to be said about making sure. No, Hakeem, I think I can speak better. No, I got this But I think there is something to be said about making sure that we pre. There is there is always something to be said about protecting women's sports because they did work very long time to institutionalize that and have opportunities. But that does not mean that we delegitimize women who transition into those areas. Yeah. It just means that, like, you know, this is not a quick fix and we make a quick No, it's not cut and dry. It's not cut and dry. It's way too complicated to be like, oh, we're just going to decide this in one season or we're just going to decide. It's, like, super But also, it's just like, why, why is, why do you think women's sports is worth protecting like that? Out of curiosity. Because they've worked very hard to get to the point where... Like there's some. I know, but don't you think it could co-ed integrated? No, no. I don't think that some sports like women will tell you that they would not have a place in certain. I will agree with boxing and MMA and like beating. You know, nobody wants to see a a man beat up a girl. Well, there's just some sports that like women compete differently than men. Right. And they deserve to have their own spaces to where they can compete and be very good at. and that's a thing, you know, yeah. they've worked hard to build those spaces for themselves. All, all I'm saying is that there are, there are ways that we can open up sports more and I don't care about sports much, but yeah, I think me, there are I'm ways. I'm not a huge sports person either. I think we could open up sports a little bit more and rethink them. And the solution until that time is not to exclude these trans kids from any space that they're comfortable in, you know, like, and they're not going to be comfortable as it stands right now. I don't know. It's not, it's not for the, it shouldn't be for the law to make up, you know, like it should be for the schools. And well, I think, first of all, I think this is way too early to be making laws about things like this. Yeah. We don't know what's going on right now. Yeah, exactly. It's way too early. Like just, just started happening. So you're like, oh, we're going to pass laws. Like how do you, you don't know anything. There's no psychological evidence of anything. There's no precedent for anything for, to be making laws for so that's the first thing totally you know and then like from that point it's like once there is more evidence then we can have this conversation but right. it's like until then it's like yeah but you know Caitlyn Jenner is a is is uh, a trans advocate 
because she was the first trans person that, ex- that exists at that time. Yeah. And she was also the, the first, uh, you know, um, champion runner. Is that what she was? I don't know. Uh, she was a... Uh I don't know. Uh, what was she? She was a track. No, I want to say not triathlete. I think she was track. I think she was a tri- no. She was a triathlete. I think. Oh, uh, she was a tri tri triathlete. Okay. Yeah. Um. Well. I think, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna end. Uh, we should talk about this before we actually um, sign out. Um, so, what do we want to do in terms of new new guests? Um, I think I had another guest that possibly might be interested in coming on that would be more about uh, it would be another conversation about uh, service industry at bartending while black is what we probably call yeah, it I, I want to do that more I mean uh, uh, so. there was uh, my friend John Neely who's been on the podcast um specifically brought up the idea of doing um, representation in service. Right. And um, the conversation we had with Stephanie was fascinating in respect, in respect to that. So yeah. that actually could be our easiest next-to-do panel, right? Possibly, yeah. But I don't think so. let's, let's bring on this guest next and see what happens. He's, you told me that he's uh, interested in talking about how the neighborhood has changed, too. Well, uh, specifically, so as we are in southwest Detroit um, and the impact of Ford Motor Company is very large here and yeah. how it's impacting um, properties, uh, impacting the demographic in a good and a relatively, depends on your opinion, bad way, or at least different, I should say. Um, he was saying like how some of the you know businesses could benefit from working with them and some of them just won't be able to. Right. Um, fascinating conversation. At least it was short and, you know, as this was at an establishment in the neighborhood, I know I felt like this would make a good conversation we had, particularly in Detroit, particularly just because it's also, I think, Honestly, I think a national conversation in a lot of places. So. Right. Um, and I'm, um, I have some leads on um, trans advocates that we can yeah, talk about trans issues and then also um, potentially religious leaders, Catholic, local uh, Catholic leaders that can talk about, um, you know, leading congregations during COVID, which mm. I'd be very interested in. But in any case, uh, we're going to we're gonna do this shot and then we're going to do this outro video. Um, in fact, we could even do it. During I'm afraid your father will have to remain. My friend sent me this today. Months. We'll be feeding him pure meat through a tube, just like you asked. In the meantime, let's go party all over Europe. When people think of happiness or pursuing happiness, the first thing they think of is, well, it's a pretty selfish desire. I want to be happy for me. Dennis Prager. Wants to be unhappy. But I'm here to tell you that, in fact, happiness is far, far, far more than a selfish desire. It's actually a moral obligation. Whether or not you're happy, and certainly whether or not you act happy, is a very, very altruistic endeavor. Yes, indeed, we have a moral obligation. Happy you ever been to one of these shows? Unhappy the no. people tend to make the world worse. There's a scene in Pinocchio where Geppetto wishes on a star. Right, and what it means is he lifts up They're his thrilling. eyes beyond the horizon to something brilliant public speaker. And so he lifts his eyes up above his daily concerns. And, and they're says, exactly like this. 
was absolutely catastrophic. <laughs> what is so um, well the worst response was some apple cider that had sulfites in it and that was really not good. Like I was done for a month. It was really not for good. A month. Oh yeah, took me up for a month. It was awful. He just gets apple more demented and ape looking. Oh it, it it produced an overwhelming sense of impending doom. Excited. 